In 2015, an app came onto the marketplace. You ever think about trading stocks? It was called Robinhood. There's always been a cost, usually up to 10 bucks for every single trade. That adds up. No way around it for people like you and me. Until now. Robinhood's pitch? That anyone could buy or sell stocks, straight from their phones. No expertise required. Couldn't be easier to make a trade using the Robinhood app. Three taps. I just bought some stock. Since it launched, Robinhood has grown into an $11 billion company, and it's exploded in popularity during the pandemic. But a company that grows so fast is bound to run into problems. And Robinhood has. It's now the subject of a federal investigation and a debate over whether it's a good thing for trading to be so easy. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, September 8th. Coming up on the show, Robin Hood and its mission to disrupt the way people buy and sell stocks. This episode is brought to you by Citizen M. There's no better feeling than finishing work for the day, sipping an ice-cold soda and nuzzling down into a Citizen M bed. Recharge your brain and batteries at Citizen M Hotels. They're in the tech cities, Menlo Park, Miami, Austin, New York, San Francisco, where people like you work, sleep, and play. Book now at citizenm.com slash the journal. Robinhood was founded out of Silicon Valley by two former roommates, Vlad Tenev and Baju Bhatt. These were two Stanford students who were roommates, who connected with one another, had very similar stories in a sense that they're both children of immigrants. Our colleague Michael Wursthorn covers stock market investing. He says that Robinhood's founders were driven by a vision that you shouldn't need to have money to make money. They saw a way of bringing trading to the masses. I mean, their whole mission has always been to really democratize investing. You know, in a lot of ways, having more people participate in the stock market gives all that same opportunity to participate in the same wealth creation process that, you know, countless others have been able to benefit from and enjoy through successfully investing. Democratize investing meant making it easier for people to buy and sell stocks on their own without needing to rely on big brokerage firms like Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade. When Robinhood was founded, those traditional brokerage firms were charging commissions, usually $7 to $10, whenever anyone bought or sold a stock. Robinhood's founders got rid of those commissions, which they saw as a barrier to entry. They even gave new users one free stock when they signed up. Stock market investing tends to have this idea that it's something that's reserved for the wealthy. So the idea was to bring trading onto an app like Robinhood, where all you needed was a phone, all you needed was to be above the age of 18, and uh, basically a bank account to fund it, where you can now go off and buy and sell those stocks, and you're not going to hit some of the hurdles that these other firms might put in front of you. One of the ways the founders made investing more accessible was by making it more fun. Like when users made their first deposit or their first trade, confetti bursts across the screen. 
I wouldn't say it's exactly like Candy Crush, you know, that gaming app, but it's not far off to say that Robinhood's more like Candy Crush than it is like a Charles Schwab. I spoke with a number of uh, behavioral experts, you know, people that really study sort of how individuals interact with technology and how they make their choices based on what that technology presents to them. And what we found is that Robinhood's flashy process, the fact that it displays stocks in these vivid colors, that it has animations like confetti shooting across the screen, these were all described as nudges that help to, you know, obviously, A, simplify the investment process, but also to make trading more fun, more engaging. A Robinhood spokesperson said the app doesn't gamify trading. The goal of the company is just to make it easier to invest. And it has. By the beginning of this year, Robinhood had 10 million users. And many of those users are different from traditional brokerage clients. Half of them had never invested before. When I talk to, say, your traditional Schwab client or certainly your Merrill Lynch client, you know, many of them are older, you know, they're over the age of 50, they're retirees, they're people that have, say, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, in their their accounts just sitting around. But on Robinhood, I spoke to investors who are as young as 18 from all different kinds of economic backgrounds. They all found that Robinhood was incredibly engaging, incredibly enticing in the sense that, you know, you can open it up, you get your free stock. You don't have to pay any other fees to do what you want to do. Robinhood was drawing these kinds of users even before the pandemic. But in the first few months of this year, the number of users spiked. Robinhood reported adding 3 million more people to the app earlier this year. It got so big that it crashed several times, which the company said was because so many people were trying to sign up and make trades. And this surge in users happened at a crazy time for the stock market. Yesterday, the Dow had its worst day since the stock market crash of 1987, as the spreading coronavirus heightened fears of a global recession. As stocks tanked, Robinhood users saw their chance. They felt that this was one of those opportunities where I can get any of these shares of companies that are now down 20, 30, 40 percent or even more from where they were just a few weeks ago and ride that back up. Because every day people thought, hey, I can just get stocks at a huge discount right now huge discount. I mean, there's sort of been a mantra of buy the dip, you know, buy when stocks are down because stocks will go up again. And they jumped in and they had the easiest way to do it than ever before. They could just use their phones to do it. For a lot of people, when the stock market rebounded in April and May, buying the dip turned out to be a good bet. People even went on YouTube to brag about their gains. So this is how I made $2,000 on my Robinhood just buying stocks that are undervalued. In this brief video, I just wanted to talk to you guys about how I was able to grow my Robinhood account by about $30,000 in just about a week. It's like Tinder, but for things that make you money. But others haven't been as lucky. Users have reported losing huge sums of money on the app, tens of thousands of dollars. And this year, a lot of people trading were facing the reality of a recession and mass unemployment. People didn't have an option to make money, and in some cases were only relying on their unemployment checks. Those people, from a very diverse range of economic backgrounds, were now considering trading as another way to make money, as a way to stretch their unemployment checks that they were getting, or to stretch the savings that they had built up over these last few years to make that last just a little bit longer. And remember all the fun features that the app has? Behavioral experts say that those can lead inexperienced investors to take huge risks. 
When you go to buy a specific stock, say you're trying to buy a share of Facebook, the execution of that trade is just a simple swipe up across that screen and the trade's done. Another one just to throw out there as well is that whenever you buy and sell security, Robinhood lists underneath it on that same page within the app. These are other securities related to what you just bought that other investors are buying. And it's not all that different than, say, you're watching something on Netflix and you finish a movie or a TV show and it suggests other types of movies and TV shows that other people watch that you might like as well. It really does sound like Robinhood is drawing from a lot of the things that make apps and things that we see out of Silicon Valley, like Facebook and Netflix, it's using those elements, but putting it toward trading stocks, which in some ways has bigger consequences for people because this is real money that they're dealing with. And then that was some of the issues that the behavioral experts raised, that you know, it's one thing to say that people are spending more of their time on Facebook because the biggest harm there really is, in at least you know, most of these cases, is that you're losing your own time. In the case of Robinhood, the more time you spend on the app could just lead to more trading. And more trading doesn't always mean more money. There's a lot of research over the last several decades that has shown time and time again that no matter what the market conditions are, no matter whether it's an up market or a down market, the more often an investor trades, the more likely they are to lose money over the longer term. Investors are bad judges of timing their own investments. It's really hard to sell a stock at the highest possible price you could sell it and really hard to buy a stock at the lowest possible price you can buy it. But while investors ride the market's ups and downs, someone is always making money, even on the losing trades. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Global X ETFs. Buzz around artificial intelligence is seemingly everywhere. Is your portfolio keeping up? Consider the Global X Artificial Intelligence and Technology ETF, ticker AIQ, which invests in dozens of stocks at the leading edge of this disruption. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Technology companies can be affected by rapid product obsolescence and intense industry competition. Before investing carefully, consider the fund's objectives, risks, charges, expenses, and more in the full or summary prospectus at GlobalXETFs.com. Read carefully. Distributed by SEI Investments Distribution Company. In June, a 20-year-old college student named Alex Kearns was using the Robinhood app to do a kind of high-risk trading called options trading. But one day when he logged onto the app, his Robinhood account showed a negative balance of $730,000. Alex was devastated, and he ended up taking his own life. And the suicide note, which was shared with various media publications, including the journal, directly referenced the Robinhood trade, questioning how somebody like him was able to do something like this to begin with. But Alex hadn't actually lost as much money as he thought he had. That negative $730,000 balance that he saw on the app wasn't a debt that he owed. It was actually a temporary projection, an amount that would have shrunk over time. He didn't really owe $730,000. 
the actual amount was significantly smaller. But without Robinhood having some sort of disclaimer or some sort of notification showing that this is a sophisticated options trade, there's a lot of different things going on, and that what we're showing you is basically placeholder value, he took it as that he actually owed that much money. Robinhood's founders said that they were, quote, personally devastated by the tragedy, and they made changes to the platform to add more safeguards. But financial and behavioral experts still wonder, are there enough safeguards? There's not really many, and that's because it is a do-it-yourself brokerage. You know, investors are taking on risks that they themselves are comfortable with. Really, all Robinhood can do is control what tools investors have access to. The app does provide educational content, and when a new user signs up, they have to take a quiz about how much investing experience they have. People who report having no experience don't get access to the most advanced investment tools. So when you first open up a Robinhood account and you say that you have no trading experience, odds are the only thing you're going to be able to do is buy and sell stock, which is relatively low risk. The most at stake is losing your entire investment in that stock, but you can't lose more than your entire investment. So I think what Robinhood's really trying to do is raise the barrier of entry to sort of gauge their experience level, gauge what they should have access to, and really try to ensure that they're not giving the keys of a Ferrari to somebody that was never driven before. But Robinhood does have an incentive to have as many users making as many trades as possible. Because while all that trading might have downsides for users, it does benefit somebody, Robinhood itself. So if Robinhood is really easy to use and it doesn't charge commissions like other brokerage firms, how does it make money? So that's where things get a little more controversial in a sense. So Robinhood has to send that trade to another firm to execute it. In exchange for that firm executing the trade, they're giving Robinhood some money. And that adds up. I mean, in terms of how many trades, you know, each of Robinhood's customers are doing, they are getting payments on all of those trades. Could you give me a hypothetical example? Say I want to sell one share of ExxonMobil for 100 bucks, which is probably not anywhere near what the price is. Robinhood then goes to a middleman that actually does that sale for me in the marketplace. And they do what exactly? In that example, so say you want to buy and sell a share of Exxon, you put that order through on your app where you swipe up on the screen, the order has now been executed. What Robinhood's system does is that it takes that trade and it sends it to a firm that executes orders in the marketplace. And in exchange, they're giving Robinhood a fee for that. So it's, it's as simple as that. They're just executing the trade, but they're giving Robinhood a fee for that trade. And that's where Robinhood's making its money then. Robinhood's made a significant portion of its revenue from these fees more than $270 million so far this year. The controversy here has to do with those third parties. The reason those third parties pay Robinhood for these trades is because it gives them access to information. Information about what stocks Robinhood users are buying and selling, which those third parties can potentially use for their own gain. Firms that are getting this information to help execute the trades, they can use it to their own advantage. They have a window into how a portion of the market is thinking about what stocks are hot, what stocks they want to be buying and selling, where that momentum is going, and do some other things that may not necessarily put the Robinhood user first or may not be acting in their best interest in every case. To put it simply, Robinhood user information could be used to make other people a lot of money. This practice is legal, and a lot of other brokerages do it too, but it's raised concerns within the financial community. 
In fact, sources told the Wall Street Journal that the Securities and Exchange Commission opened an investigation into Robinhood for not fully disclosing this practice on its website. Robinhood could face a fine of up to $10 million. The SEC and Robinhood have declined to comment specifically on the investigation. But even with an investigation looming, people keep trading on the app every day. Robinhood really is in this prime position where it's riding a wave of excitement. It's riding a wave of stock market activity that's unlike anything we've ever seen before. But it's also come with a significant amount of attention that's been controversial in some ways, the latest being this SEC investigation. I think for Robinhood, it's all about how it navigates these changes going forward. I don't want to be overly simplistic here, but do you think Robinhood is a force for good? Or is it a force for bad? Every single investor that I talked with, all of them credit Robinhood with giving them this initial introduction to the stock market that they couldn't imagine getting anywhere else. So, you know, I think people that download the Robinhood app, use it to buy and sell stock and understand the ins and outs of the markets, I think that's where it really is a force for good. And if they have the right skill set to invest, that's money that can really help them buy a house one day, save for retirement, pay for a child's education down the road. I just think where the app gets itself into some trouble is where it makes trading just seem really fun, easy, less of a weighty choice than what it really is. That's all for today, Tuesday, September 8th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Yurem Choi and Alexander Osipovich. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.